I'm Kyle. Okay, here's where y'all are so wrong because y'all are idiots. And I'm Drew with a U. As the boss of this podcast, I'm going to say... And I'm Handsome Drew. I sit on the iron throne of Opens. When you play the game of intros, you either win or you die. And this is not... And this is not... And this is not... This is not the podcast you deserve. Welcome to episode 124 of Not the Podcast You Deserve. Tonight we're talking about House of the Dragon episode 7. Can't believe there's already been seven. We've covered so much time. It's been so fun. Two seasons. Uh, I know. We're basically almost to season three at this point. And <laughs> it's been a wild ride. We have a lot to unpack in episode seven. There are lots of characters. This episode felt more reminiscent of original Game of Thrones. Just a bunch of people standing around talking and plotting. Mm-hmm. And then there being like one intense kind of action scene and then everybody reacting to it (laughs) and then you just felt the tension and you got to stay in it and you didn't time jump 14 years so (laughs) this this was an episode that was more reminiscent which was pretty great can we can i i would like to start this off saying i think this might be one of the top 10 best episodes in the whole game of thrones universe wow i had a blast during this episode i thought this was a fantastic episode. I can't wait to talk about all the stuff. Well, welcome to episode seven, otherwise known as How to Ride Your Dragon. And we <laughs> open this episode with a funeral scene. And I thought that this funeral scene was very well done. You're seeing a lot of parties interact. I thought there was a nice tidbit at the end after the credits where the directors talked about this was one of the first scenes they shot on yeah, the show. And so it added to the awkwardness of some of the groups because none of them knew each other. Oh, interesting. None of them knew how their characters had been interacting to this point so far. So when you see them kind of standoffish and like kind of looking sideways at each other, it's kind of natural as well because they don't have any of that history, which I thought was cool. Uh, Before Uh, you go too far, can we talk about how at the the eulogy as uh, Lord Caldless was doing the eulogy for his daughter, uh, who has just been burned by her dragon. Uh, and he, he had all of these different um, analogies to the sea. It reminded yeah. me so much of the Wedding Crashers yeah. uh, <laughs> opening scene. when she, Or not the opening scene, but the wedding when she's talking about, you're my captain, my starboard, yeah. my wooden. Through all these clear skies and squalls. Yes, yes. I, I couldn't help but think that while I was watching this eulogy scene. I was like, oh my gosh, they're doing a Wedding Crashers. <laughs> in the, the, instead of getting uh, Owen Wilson and Vince Vaughn heckling in the back and Rachel McAdams bursting out laughing, you get Damon laughing out loud and not covering at all yeah. when, uh, when uh, called to said something like, uh, our, the, the Valyrian line is blood is thick and it will never thin. And he just out loud laughs because everybody can see that. <laughs> Renaris kids are not are not yeah, his yeah, descent yeah. at all. I thought that was such a good scene. Um, and then uh, Damon in this in this show is great in this episode. Um, that chilling shot that you were just talking about of I think it's like after the eulogy or after the the funeral when Renaris is like walking down into like where everybody's gathered for like the wake essentially, and it's shot like right from behind her head, and you see her look at Damon who she's now estranged from. 
at Alicent, who's got the um, Hightower clan around her that they're not friends anymore. The Valerians who are kind of pissed at her because, like, obviously those aren't their grandkids. And, like, she is just so alone. And they did such a really good job in that scene of showing you, like, from her perspective of, like, I am surrounded by people that should be my allies and my family, and I have no allies, and I basically have no family. I thought that was such a good shot. I don't think I watched the behind the scenes because I didn't know that was the first shot they had, or the first scene they shot. That makes a lot of sense, though. Um, That was a really, really good scene and a great way of being like, uh, our girl Renera is in trouble here because she ain't got no friends on her side at the beginning of the episode, at least. There was, I also really liked the funeral scene. I thought it was very powerful and uh, there was a lot of great acting going on in just the characters' faces while the eulogies being given. I will say there's one thing that bothered me about it, and it's that funeral scenes are never about the person in the casket. They're always about the people there reacting, Mm -hmm. and it makes it really hard to see that and really take all of that in when you're also having to read subtitles because they're doing it in in (laughs) Valerian. Sure. Yeah, that's a good point. I appreciate that the show in general has a uh, love for being consistent and, you know, having them speak Valerian to one another. You know, even the Damon and Renera, like they slip in and out of it, you know, whenever they need. And <clears throat> it's great. But that one particular scene, I was like, I'd really like to focus on everybody's face right now. And you're making that kind of difficult. Yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah. Just to go a, a step further and to go i think to george rr R. martin's credit i love this dichotomy the valerian and as water and targaryens are fire and yeah. i think it's really cool to kind of give your your families an an element or an imagery to kind of make it clear, like uh clear and concise and and uh, like a theme almost and i i love the valerians and targaryens are the two strongest families at this point and they're fire and water uh, the Lannisters yeah. end up being like gold is theirs, right? In Game of Thrones. Yep. And yeah. Baratheons, are they the stone people or something? I'm trying to think. I feel they, like everyone has something. They have the stag. The stag. Yeah. The, uh, but they're also at Storm's Inn. That's their castle. They're they're all about like being holding fast and fighting the, the storm and being like the first line of defense. And it's the Starks are ice or snow yeah yeah Yeah. i feel like that's fantasy writing 101 like if you want to make these big families at odds with each other have them be two totally different types of elements types of have them be symbolized by something and have those two somethings be at opposite ends of the spectrum dude i laughed out loud hard when they showed the little targaryen girl playing with bugs again she just keeps (laughs) finding bugs I laughed out loud so hard because I remembered your last episode. You were like, I choose Bug Girl. <laughs> like, I thought that was so funny. Um, and then she's there playing with, I don't know, it looked like a spider. So like I looked away and yeah. then she like clasped it in the clam shell or whatever. I don't know what that's about. I think there's some imagery there that I'm not smart enough to pick up on. I I laughed out loud at another kid when uh, Lord Collis came and was like talking to his supposed grandson and was like, yeah. Uh, you know, you're going to be Lord of Driftmark one day. And he's like, I don't want it. And he <laughs> was like, like if Smith. I'm Lord of Driftmark, it means everyone's dead. 
Yeah. And I thought that was very astute for a child. Wow. But what made me laugh out loud was that it was literally the exact opposite of I just can't wait to be king. Right. <laughs> yeah. Well, which which is Simba saying, I can't wait for everyone to die so sure. I can be in charge. Well, an- another point to that, uh, I think that, that that scene in that line was such a really good way. We've been seeing this show and this story from the perspective of people that are trying to get to the Iron Throne and that are trying to place their family like up at, at closest to the throne as they can get it. And then that really puts you in perspective when you see this little kid who realizes like, if I'm the king of Driftwork, it means all of my family is dead. Everyone that's older than me essentially is mm-hmm. dead. And that made me really sad and it really kind of, it's just a, it's a, it's a cool look at how, while the adults are trying to get to the Iron Throne, like from just like a person, from like a personable standpoint, like if I'm on the throne, that means everybody's dead. And like, that's really tough for a kid. And that's the first time I think that I've ever seen that sort of thought in a Game of Thrones episode of like, I don't really want the throne, not because I'm like Jon right. Snow and I don't, don't want it for whatever reason. <laughs> I don't want it because that means my family's dead and that's not as much fun. Um, so I thought that was a really good scene. As far as kids' takes that I thought were interesting, because I, I, I want to jump off to this, is it Jace, the oldest uh, Breakbone son, strong son? I believe so. Jace and then we'll, we'll say the oldest one in case I'm wrong, but he's talking with Rhaenyra, like, missing what he... He, he knows that Harwin was his dad, right? Like, yeah. he's kind of put the pieces together, it seems. Yeah. Well, he he asked his mom at the end of an episode or two ago he's like in the hallway it's when uh harwin's leaving and he just looks at her and goes is sir harwin my father well no he's like beyond that at the wedding or at the one at the funeral uh renera goes up to him and is like hey go to your cousins they just lost their mom you know they're going through a tough time and he said i'm in the same boat he's like something similar just happened to me he's talking about sir harwin dying in the fire um so he he knows he's aware I um, and then was... as Aegon tells us later, everybody knows. Uh, we can <laughs> yeah. say that. Um, I, but... I loved that because you get the kid's perspective of he just lost a dad, but he can't even freaking sure. mourn can't him. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Jeez. Yeah. Aegon is also the most like perfect teenager in this show. <laughs> like it just truly representing it. Gets like, to have alcohol. He's at a funeral yeah. for a distant relative that he hasn't probably met or seen in a really really long time and he's just like oh i can get drunk i'm gonna get drunk like <laughs> i don't care about it really these people. they're not important to me yeah uh i just want to take in the scenic views of the city from my window <laughs> and, and get drunk at this wedding and then when confronted with like how would you say such slander he's like i mean everybody knows like, yeah. Viserys when he's leaving to go to his room and he calls Alicent by his dead wife's name everybody's just like uh oh um, oh and then also we get uh, we get Dougal back in this yeah. episode I think he's been gone for a while I don't know where he's been but it was good to see Dougal again he's a character from Outlander don't worry about it Drew oh okay I was like who are you talking about he's the, the bald strong, guy you know. who, the bald guy with all the armor Kingsguard. on Kingsguard yeah not, yeah. Okay, not yeah. Kristen Cole He's the head of the Kingsguard. Okay, his name is Dougal in Outlander. What do you want from me? No, it's <laughs> um, the worst. When uh, Damon, when when King Viserys is, is a really tense scene at the wake, and King, I'm going to keep calling it the wake because it's not. If you, I don't know what it is. Um, sure. He, like King Viserys, is like, I'm going to patch some stuff up with Damon. It's been apparently like ten years, fifteen years, and he goes like, Hey, come back to to King's Landing. I'll get you a spot in the council. 
and you know everything will be fine again. And Damon looks at him and goes, "I need nothing from you." I was like, "Oh no, things are not going to be okay," which I'm totally here for. Yeah, I thought that was an interesting interaction because I think very much like Renera, the king is looking around that going, "This is not a good family situation." Sure, yeah. Everybody's mad at everybody, so maybe I can extend an olive branch and mend at least a relationship and like listen i'm gonna die like he's not naive he knows he's on his last grayscale leg and (laughs) he is gonna try to you know get family around him and try to sure up what's gonna happen next i would love if he lost a limb every episode yeah just every episode he's he's the black knight from Monty (laughs) python (laughs) he makes it to season two but he's got no arms no legs half a spleen no kidneys (laughs) And then uh, later, like I think the next scene, Queen Reyna is talking to Lord Callus. These names, you know, I was really, I was banking on I wouldn't have to learn the kids' names, and now I realize I'm going to have to learn the kids' names, which is Big pissing time. me off because I just think I got a grasp of Rhaenyra. Um The Queen Reyna, the, the one who was supposed to be queen but was never queen, um, she was trying to get uh, Lord Callus to pass on Driftmark from Rhaenyra's kids to Damon's kids. That was a really tense scene, but there's some great stuff that comes from it. And and Call's pushback was like, that'll not not right now, not while everybody's questioning the the parentage of the kids, and that'll just hurt their chances to sit on the Iron Throne someday, which he's still power hungry and mad that she wasn't the queen. Um and she said she said something like the blood our bloodline's what's important. And he says, people remember names, not blood. And I thought that was such a great line. And so true. And so true. The history books will not be taking DNA tests. They will be saying <laughs> King, uh, King Rhaenyra, or Queen Rhaenyra and King Lenor or you know, whatever. That's out of the picture now. But um, I thought yeah. that was a really great line and a really great scene. I think those two actors have done a phenomenal job carrying yeah. a really weird kind of offshoot of the story that I'm assuming is about to get a little bit bigger. Um, but that I thought that scene was awesome. Yeah, that scene specifically I wrote down. I was like, this feels very Shakespearean. Just yeah. it, two powerful actors sitting opposite each other in a room and dialoguing about the future and one of them being like, you can speak plainly. Like, we're just here together. Like, you know, you know that's not your kids. Like, yeah. Um, I, I thought that was a very cool scene as well. So I agree. I, I like that one a lot. Then the next thing I wanted to talk about with y'all, Renera and Damon. I couldn't figure out, and I'd like Crawford and Drew, you guys tell me, does Renera actually love Damon or does she just need one ally? And the only real way to get him to be her ally is to make sweet, sweet time together on the beach and then have him kill her husband so she can marry him. <laughs> like, is she actually in love with him or does she just need a friend and an ally and a sword? And is it the same thing with him or is it, you know, and vice versa? Is Damon actually in love with her? What did you, what was your guys read? Well, grooming issues aside, uh, yeah, which is super time. problematic. Uh, I think, I, I don't think that Rhaenyra would sleep with him just to get his sword on her side. I think she's always, they've always respected a strength that they share. And the, the director's commentary says at the end, they, they are so similar but that's why they're a terrible match for each other. Yeah. And I imagine we're going to see a little bit more of that here in the future. But I, I, I think that they're both just really, really strong individuals who's, who have had to be very strong their whole life. 
and nobody else is in their position as a Targaryen who has a legitimate spot on the throne or just the offshoot of. And so I think they they can relax around each other because they know they share the same burdens. Yeah, I think this show has done a good job of setting up their relationship, even from the first episode, right? When she walks in and he gives her the necklace, which back to grooming issues, Drew, like you talked about, but when they have put these little pieces along the way of like, look how close they are. Look at this relationship. There is like some kind of weird chemistry here. And it's not unheard of for Targaryens to marry one another. That was like a big point of their history for a really long time and caused massive riots and giant wars as well amongst, uh, you know, the Septons and the Holy People and stuff like that, Um, you know, several hundred years prior to this. But the, the big one is that I agree with Kyle to a degree. I think that they have had a chemistry and a relationship of respect, but also I think Renera does see an opportunity here very similar to like what Allison said in a couple episodes prior where she said, is no one on my side? Yeah. Like I just, I need an ally. And I think Renera looked around that wake and said, I need an ally too. And I think she saw a great opportunity with this one. And I think there was also some familiar familia. There it is. Love. That's part of that. But, um, I think it's a, a mixture of both. And the fact that she was, willing to either have her husband killed and or uh fake his own death i hope that she brought that one option to him ha no way Uh, no way did she say hey would you mind if i killed you or would you want to secretly make it out alive the next thing chronologically in this episode was aemon stealing the dragon um which i thought was a really cool scene and the cgi of that dragon is so cool yeah, watching She-Hulk and then watching this, it's like wow. <laughs> we we one of these had a much larger budget than the other. If I had to guess, just based on CGI alone, um, the uh, uh, screen crush brought this up uh, when the dragon is about to blow up uh, Aemon. It's Aemon, right? The one who gets his eye cut out. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. He uh, he stops the dragon by saying Doharis or Doharis, which, as we know from Game of Thrones, means serve. Uh, Valor Margulis and Valor Marharis, all men must serve, right? Is that too too deep of a cut, Crawford? I love it. I love it. Okay, well, yeah, he told the dragon to serve. The I just need like, the okay. subtitles. Yeah. That's old Valerian. That's old Valerian. I know that now. Old Valerian. Yeah. Is it old Valerian or high Valerian? Dadgummit. I, I can't get any I of this right. I can't remember now either. <laughs> um, but then, so he, he conquers, he drives the dragon. That was a really cool scene. I was pretty sure he was going to fall off that dragon and die. Oh, yeah. I thought that was a really well-shot scene. That would have been hilarious, too, if Eamon just fell off to his death. Yeah. (laughs) That's how he goes. (laughs) And then when he... uh, Which, by the way, they're making this... So first off, at the the funeral... I keep calling it the wedding scene, because weddings and funerals in Game of Thrones are all kind of the same. Um, (laughs) At the funeral scene... The Aemon kid texts Aegon when Aegon says that the little bug girl is like a creep and a weirdo. He's like, I'll marry her. It'll strengthen the line. Like, it's what's right for the family. And then he goes and he steals the dragon. And then he goes and picks a fight with Rhaenyra's kids. I think the show is setting him up to be like the one who's going to try to take the throne out of that side of the family. But more on that later. Let's talk about, about this later. My banner mate. That was yeah. yours, wasn't it? Yeah, that was yeah. your choice. Yeah. 
I think that's what they're setting him up for because he's been a real D-bag um, <laughs> this whole episode, which is never really put more on focus than when he comes back in to like the hallway or whatever they were in and Damon's kids are like, hey, you stole my mom's dragon. And he says, your mom is dead and Vagar has a new rider. It's like, whoa, man, chill out maybe for a second. Throw in the brakes. They just lost their mom. <laughs> You know, maybe don't. Your mom's dead, and by the way, I've got the dragon. Like, and then punch them in the face. Yes, yes. So, so he's twelve, but a good fighter, uh, which they they show you here. But man, just like Drew picked Eamon to be like his banner for the the next generation. I'm now for the Jake or Luke, whatever the heck his name is, because anybody who brings a dagger to a, a stone fight, I'm in for that guy. That's the one I want to rule the Iron Throne. Oh, you brought a knife, I'm bringing a gun. You know, you bring a gun, I brought a bazooka. What do you do now? I love that. You brought an army, I brought a dragon. Yes, exactly. Exactly. I'm all for the kid who shows up to the rock fight with a knife. Um, But that was such a good scene. And Drew, you kind of tipped us off to it uh, last week when Bug Girl said, you'll have to close an eye for that. And you're like, that'll be important later. Then as soon as he picked up the rock, I was like, "Uh uh-oh, he's about to lose an eye with that rock. And then the, then the kid pulls out the dagger, and I was like, well, I know how this ends. And, yeah. But that was such a good scene. I thought that was awesome. Uh, and it sets up what we should probably spend the rest of the episode talking about. Sure. Um, yeah, so I did want to point out that same thing. That, yeah, the uh, the eye thing was right. So Bug Girl showing that she's got some talent up in here. Um, also, the I like the way that they did Amon's character because – that's been a thing throughout all of Targaryen history. Not all of them have dragons yeah. uh, that they get attached to from the from the cradle or you know from their youth, and a lot of them have to go and get a dragon from somebody who has died, or and basically steal them and like reclaim them, and that has changed their persona. Uh, there's several people throughout the Targaryen line who are kids or like they're quiet, they're timid, they're kind of weird, like they're not really fitting in and then they turn like 14 and they go and get somebody else's dragon and then all of a sudden they're like a different person and so i like that aemon walked in and immediately was like i now have confidence i I like i'm in charge like i'm doing my thing because he's like i got my dragon and like i'm invincible now and it's like good for you dude the the other thing that i really liked about that hallway fight scene was that it shows you the ramifications of sir Kristen cole and yeah. teaching those kids to pick on the younger kid and yeah. like bully him and kick him and fight and like hit him while he's down because that kid learned all right like i've got to toughen up i've got to like be more aggressive i should probably like no mercy he he cobra kite him and <laughs> i i i'm not sure that if Eamon's not nicer to those kids like if they don't have that battleground fight scene and have all this animosity towards each other for a couple of years that's being stoked on by their families, there's probably a good chance that they don't knife each other in the hallway. Or at least he doesn't straight up call those kids b- I'm not sure if that's a word I can say. I might believe that. It's out. used so it. much in the show. And yeah, it's, such an it's, it's hard to get it's, Yeah, it's hard to get away from. Um, he definitely wouldn't have approached them that way without that, for sure. That's a good point. Um, and then I, I know that Drew and I are kind of, we're family, but we have different families too. Uh, and then Crawford, I know that your family's fairly normal. I come from a very dysfunctional family. So, uh, who part of our listening currently 
So in that scene, when they're all together <laughs> in the big, big hall or whatever, and tensions are so high and kids are screaming their stories and the other one's saying, that's not true. And moms are, are, you know, fighting for their kids. Like, I was like, wow, this is, did they film Christmas last year at my house? This is incredible. <laughs> uh, very, very, like, and, and then seeing King Viserys, like, being like, we're family. Like, everybody get it together. Everybody say you're sorry. We're done. And Allison just not having it. Just yeah. refusing to have that. She's turned into a real bee. And <laughs> she, she's, she, she lost her mind in this episode. That being said, I do think if someone cut out my eye when I was 12, I do think Angela would have demanded the eye of the other person um, that did that. I, I could see that happening pretty clearly. So um, I thought that, that beginning of that scene was so great because you kind of think, oh, Viserys is stepping up. He's being a man. He's saying, everybody love each other as your king, as your grandfather, as your father. I demand you guys make peace. And Allison's yeah. just like, no chance. Cole, you're my guy. Go tear out that guy's eyeball. And I was like, oh, no, what a, what a bad thing. That was such a cool scene because yes. you could see Kristen Cole being like, well, I don't know that I want to do that. But also, like, I'm probably the only person here that would do that sure. because I also I hate Renera. So, yeah, I'll yeah. do it. Sure, I'll do it. But doesn't he say he says uh, she she says you're you're uh, you're sworn, My sworn to protector. Yeah. Go take out his eye. And he kind of looks around. And he goes as your protector. And not not as which I think the implication was not as your handyman, not as your whatever you need. I go do it for mm. you. I protect you. I don't take eyeballs for you. I think was yeah. what he was getting across at there. Um, but, oh. but it also might have been like your protector, not your kid's protector. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Maybe that too. Uh, which I think I just glossed over the best, the second best line. I don't know. There's a lot of good lines this episode when uh, when Viserys is like, "Who who told you these kids were?" And he goes, everyone knows. Look at them. <laughs> like the delivery of that line was so good. It was so good. And it was yeah. like, I think maybe for the first time in Viserys' eyes, we're like, he was like, man, I really have been blind to this and everybody else knows. But he's still not going to give into it. But I think that was a good moment of like, oh, yeah, it's, it's, it's more clear than I want it to be that this, mm -hmm. these kids aren't who they say they are. I have a suspicion that he's known all along. And he, there's a part sure. of him that will not accept it. There's a part of him that will never be able to see it. But he knows in the back of his head. And I feel like Aegon kind of calls his bluff. Like, Aemon's too scared to say it out loud. And Viserys is like, say it. Where did you learn this? And yeah. he just wants Aemon to shut up. And everyone else to know that you're not supposed to say that. And Aemon's like, uh, Aegon said it. And then he goes to Aegon's like, well, where did you hear it? And Aegon just... It looked like he was covering for his mom there because he looked right at his yeah, mom with yeah, his one eye. Sure. And then oh, yeah. and, and mom's like, oh, no. And then he, yeah. and then he goes, Aegon, yeah, always throw your brother under the bus. Right. You know this. We've all got siblings. Yeah. And always he's probably throw the too. oldest under the bus. Yeah. But, and then Aegon's like, mm, it's obvious. And like, yeah. I think that's a really great like kid response. And like when you're in trouble, it's like anybody else... Like an adult would be smart enough to know not to say anything, but it catches Viserys off guard because he's like, "I, I, sh I should have to kill you now, but I can't kill my grandson." And he kind of is like, "Ugh, you know what? I'm over this." And he's just like, "Everybody apologize and let's forget about it." So yeah. I, I really liked, I really liked that familial dynamic. 
Rick, kind of when you think that scene is like getting to its most tense moment, Allison grabs the knife from Viserys and like starts hauling at Rhaenyra's kids. Mm. And Rhaenyra stops her. That scene was awesome. Those girls did a fantastic job. Uh, but so Sir Cole, like then is like, all right, it's time for me to get in there. Dougal's like holding everybody off. <laughs> and Damon stops Cole from getting to Alicent. And then, like, a bunch of other, then some of the other night guards, like, hold him back, too. And so I was wondering, Crawford, maybe you know this better because you know more of the lore. Like, was, or the, would they would just be cool with those girls fighting it out to the death to, like, and, like, that, then the issue is solved? Or, like, like why did they, well, it was like a hockey match. Like, as long as there's only two people involved, nobody's going to break it up. But, like, as soon as a third person gets in, then we'll blow the whistle and we'll, we'll, we'll take it, take it down from there. Like, why did, why was the main thing just let them handle it? I think part of it is nobody wants to be wrong on the wrong yeah. side of the king because yeah. you definitely will die for being wrong. Yeah, sure. Yeah. Whether you, you harm the current queen and wife of the king or you harm his daughter and heir successor. Ooh, and, okay. there are, and I think everybody's looking at that going, um... I don't want them to die, but I definitely don't want me to die. Sure. <laughs> and, and the Kingsguard is also conflicted with that, except for Cole, who's like, I'm sworn specifically to Allison. But everybody else is like, I have to protect the king, but also his wife and daughter. And I don't know that I want to get in the middle of a Targaryen dragon blood no. fight. Sure. Um, I, I will say there is one story during the time of uh, Aegon the Conqueror, where his uh, sister wife uh, wants him to have more protection and, you know, wants him to, like, wear chain mail and stuff all the time. And he says, I don't need any protection. I've got the Kingsguard right here with me. And she pulls her sword and, like, slashes him across the face. And proving, she's like, listen, they're still just men. Like, no amount of guards will keep you safe. Uh, you have to be able to protect yourself because, like, people are gonna get close to you and are gonna hurt you and i think that this is like a fun little microcosm callback to that and i like that the show is doing little things like that that could be reflections of stories that happened yeah. in the past that's cool. as well so that was kind of fun for me to nerd about yeah one thing that i liked in that scene is we get probably the greatest damon scene of him just leaning against that wall the whole time smirking at everybody imploding in on themselves just watching everybody be like that's not their son that's not who and whose son those are these kids and her being like you can't say that where did you hear that tell them say where you heard that and it's just all this infighting that damon has not been a part of he's been away for so long and he comes back and they're like he's just watching them be petty and just yeah. laughing at how petty they are. It was really cool to see. <laughs> I kind of nerded out. I kind of geeked out over Damon. I like. I understood it now, Kyle. I get it. I get it now. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, he's great. I still want him to win. And yeah, that was. I was going to ask you why didn't Damon go help Renera? And I guess that's because if he goes and helps Renera, then Cole helps Allison. Then an all-out war breaks out, which is kind of. I thought this like might be like a big body count, like casualty. Uh, that's what it Could've was been. like. Super tense and feeling like that's what's about to happen, and then it ends with. Renera is saying, you know, something about the cloak of your righteousness. How how can you stand how heavy your mm. righteousness is? 
And, and now yeah, they see exhausting, you wasn't it? Are. Hiding beneath the cloak of your own righteousness. Yes. I thought that was a great line. Yes. And then, and then she says, they see you for who you really are now. And I was like, dang, girl. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> and then she gets sliced in the wrist. I was like, oh. Yeah. I, for a second, thought that was the end of Renera. Yeah. 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 The camera angle, like, stopped and zoomed in on her bleeding mm-hmm. out. And it was like, did she just get murdered? My wife stands up and goes, someone get her a bandage. I was like, that's, <laughs> yeah, that's, I'm right there with you. I was like, is she going to bleed out right there for dramatic purpose? Um, so that, man, that scene was an all-timer. That was so good. Is is the dagger that she sliced with important? I feel like that was brought up earlier, yeah. but I can't remember. Mm-hmm. It's, it's the King's Valerian dagger, and it's got the message, the hidden message of like, the, the prince on the conquerors yeah but the prince that was promised in the uh song of ice and fire and the whole thing it's like hidden in the steel no oh, okay i did really like that that scene is the first you're gonna see of the civil war of the greens versus the blacks oh yeah mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. yeah so this is what the next several episodes are gonna be about is the allison camp versus the rhaenyra camp and uh, everybody's followers and big fighting and dragon fights and all sorts of stuff. Um, there was one part earlier in the episode where they talked about the curse of Heron's Hall, and I thought that was great foreshadowing as well. Can for, you like, unpack that? Gonna... Uh, yes. How, I don't know how much we want to go into. Can you just give me what the line was? Yeah, so they... I forget what the line is. They're just talking about Heron, Heron's Hall and how it's cursed. And... Um, I think it's Heron's Hall uh, where the the skirmish took place. Fire, it's where the fire was, uh, where fires a prison. Yeah, Lord Strong and Sir Harwin are okay are are killed. But it starts the very first one. Aegon the Conqueror comes and uh, Heron the Black has this giant big castle and basically is like, I don't care how many dragons you have, you're never going to get inside my giant stone castle. Like stone doesn't burn. Uh, jet fuel can't melt steel beams that kind of a thing <laughs> and uh, Aegon the Conqueror comes down and lights his entire fortress on fire from like the rooftops and everything and like burns everybody alive in there oh, wow. and ever since then um, it's this big giant castle with all these like fertile lands and big things that it makes it really attractive but every lord that's like lived there their fam like they die horribly or their family dies horribly and yeah and so when laris strong talks about like well you know heron hall is is cursed um it it's just a throwback to like everybody dies there and it's kind of some foreshadowing for uh some other big battles that are going to happen there at the god's eye and stuff okay cool cool cool. what did y'all think of otto's breakdown after the ramification he finally showed his true intentions which we all knew the whole time but he was finally like i didn't think you had it in you but now we yeah. can take the iron throne i yes. hate that guy <laughs> I, hate him so much. I, I thought this was another great line when he said we play an ugly game yeah and i loved it because it's the first reference to a game being played for power yeah it's no longer like targaryen soul rule there is mm-hmm. truly a game for the throne going on now in the background. And I was like, yes, we did it. We made it. It only took us two and a half seasons, but we finally <laughs> got here. 
they they've set it up so well though they've done such yeah. a good job yeah, slow yeah. burning I love that it's it's her outburst and her inability to control herself that Otto is like, okay, you've got a dangerous side to you. You've got a side that's willing to go the distance and do what needs to be done for your family. And as I said, Crawford's Crawford eyes. almost broke out with, I will find my way. <laughs> yeah, I just started will find her way. Um <laughs> But no, I think it's it's really interesting. All these times, like, Otto has always been so close, keeping everything so close to the chest. He's always has a plan, but you never he never reveals it, but now he does. So this is a really big moment for his character arc, and this reveals a lot. We get his whole thing there. And I, I find it interesting that it's Allison going crazy that kind of spurs him on and is like, okay, we're getting somewhere. We... we and, and everything's in place, and so he's about to make a push. You, you have these moments with these these scheming characters that, like the Littlefoots, the Clubfoots, Littlefinger, Littlefinger, yeah, not the animated dinosaur, yeah, yeah, yeah. It's like <laughs> they they always seem to you just assume they know everything. They know always what's going on, and so you always have to key in on when they don't know something or when they learn something on camera or when they reveal their plan finally. And I, I love those moments. Yeah. And then uh, another good moment that I didn't see coming was Lenar at the end finally decides like, hey, you know what? I've been a pretty crappy husband and dad. <laughs> I, I really want to make this right. I, I want to be the dad and the husband you know, that yeah. you and our kids deserve. And Raina goes, or Renera goes, um, yeah, or I could just get you killed and marry Damon. <laughs> you know, it's kind of... It, that's the subtext. She doesn't say it, but you can see it in her a eyes too late. as she's plotting. Yeah, a little too little too late there, uh, Lenar. The really creepy line with Allison and Clubfoot. And man, do I despise Clubfoot. Um, <laughs> he, he says something like, I think, the, I think the subtext was like, do you want me to go kill those people for you? <laughs> like yes. meaning Renera and Damon. And she was like, no, the day will come when I need you and your skills and your discretion. And I was like, oh no. But like he straight up was just like, hey, I can go kill those people for you. Do you want me to kill those people for you? Like very blatantly. And I was like, uh-oh, I don't like where this is going. I mean, I think it was even a like a little bit less, but also way more intense because he was saying, do you want me to go take that kid's eye? I will yeah. bring you his eyeball. Go it's like. Yeah. I don't even care to kill off everybody and make us safe. He's like, no, just tell me what gruesome thing you want me to do, and it is done. And I do think it is uh, another character development for Allison that she is not like shocked by that anymore, yeah. or is like, oh, naive. I didn't know what I was getting into. She just straight up was like, not yet. Yeah, uh, but thanks That's for the point. offer. I'll get. I'll get back to you. I'm gonna need you soon. That's a good uh, point, Drew. And and, and dog on the leash. And he smiles because he's like, that's what he needed to hear. Like, Allison told him what he needed to hear, which is, I will be useful later. That's She's made him that. the lord of some land now, right? After... Harrenhal. Oh. Oh, no. Okay. Well, good. He, he, inherit, he inherited his dad's lordship, and the, he's now the lord The cursed place where people die. Uh-huh. Oh, good. They could have said anybody <laughs> better there. That's perfect. I'm fired up for him. Good for him. Um, One thing, when they were on the boat, and... I get that dragons are commonplace, quote unquote, in this day and age. But uh, 
I do not believe that these people don't look at the dragons when they fly up. <laughs> I still look at planes and satellites in the sky. And I, there's a million of them. And you're telling me that three of the only living dragons in the world are flying like a hundred feet above your ship. And you're just going to keep staring into the horizon. Like cool guys don't look at explosions. That's yeah. the most. That's the dumbest thing about this show. Everybody should be in awe every time a dragon is anywhere whispered about. Them. They should all be freaking out, and everyone's way too calm. About that's like, funny. Oh, yeah. It's just, just for axes. All right. Well, tell me when a cool one shows up. <laughs> when uh, three or four episode, episodes ago, Drew Allen was really upset that uh, Game of Thrones never just gives us a wedding scene. Yeah. It's always yeah. it's yeah. always wedding with murder. I think we got the most touching wedding scene in this episode, even though it was filled with incest and a, a surprising amount of blood, like lots of blood. Yeah. Um, <laughs> but somehow a romantic kind blood. Uh, so Drew, <laughs> you got your you got your wish, man. You gotta you yeah. gotta. At some point, you think Renera was like. You guys remember when I got slashed in the wrist like yesterday? Yeah. Can we like stop with the bleeding? Like I just need some of this blood. It would have been I need, I need amazing. Some of it in my body to stay. Yeah. And then amazing. she has that great line of we have always been meant to burn together. That was yeah. an awesome line. And I don't know if that's from the book or not, but I think the writers of the show did a heck of a job with the dialogue. Uh, the dialogue alone, I thought in this episode was better than all the other ones. There were so many good lines. And the last thing that I've got to talk about, um, I saw the last scene very differently from my wife. So I want to know what your guys' opinion was. When it does the little switcheroo that uh, Lenar was not killed by his lover, and they got on that boat and they are sailing away to what we can assume is that place that Damon told the guy about where people don't care what your name is or who you're interested in. Um, I saw that as this is Lenar's escape. He, he finally gets to be away and he doesn't have to be burdened with the crown and the kids and the wife that he doesn't want and all that stuff. Mm-hmm. My wife saw that as, oh, Lenar is in on the deal that his boyfriend got him in on the deal. They're going to go away and then they're going to go make a big mess of things for an era down the road. And that is not how I saw it at all. So I want to see what y'all saw. Was he, was he riding off into the sunset into his you know future, what he wants? Or was, is Damon an idiot and asked the wrong person to kill him? I, I interpreted it as riding off into the sunset. I don't remember this interaction specifically from the book, but a big thing that they do oftentimes is because it's told as a historical account, they go, and some people whisper that this happened, and mm-hmm. some people still attest that this is how it went down. And, you know, kind of like Clue, but sure. this is how it really happened. Um, but... They do that a lot where they're like, but many maesters agree that this is probably the most likely outcome. But they do that for a bunch of events that, you know, there's not really the guy in the room that can tell you exactly what happened. So I think that the showrunners get to take creative license with, hey, and we're going to make it happen this way. And I like that they gave him the right off into the sunset um, routine where he gets to. And I don't know if he was in on it beforehand. I think he was by the time, because it was kind of like a show of like, you've chosen the wrong person to draw your sword on, blah, blah, blah. Have you lost your mind? 
I don't think yeah. Damon's dumb enough to ask that guy to kill him and expect it to go off without a hitch. Uh, three things. One, if you write in your story and some people say this and some people say this, I hate that. I hate that 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 is what you choose to do. Just tell me what happened. You're the writer. You can make up literally whatever you want. Just tell me, and I will I will believe it. Two, um, I like the idea that Sir Laner gets to ride off into the sunset and be happy. And it's like his story doesn't line up with the Game of Thrones storytelling device, which is everyone dies terribly, horribly, miserably. And if you're going to have a happy sunset, then you don't get to be a part of our story anymore. And so that makes a lot of sense. But three, and most of all, you all couldn't be more wrong, I think. Damon walks off saying, I just want it to be a quick death. And I don't think the knight walked up to him afterwards after he walks off storms i was like hey uh, just to be clear do you want him to die die or is it just like can i just like fake it i think damon's like here's your cash go kill your your boyfriend he said with witnesses though he said quick death with witnesses but then he also drops the line about there being a place uh, across the sea where you can do what you want to do yeah, so, but I don't think he's dumb enough to ask his lover to kill him and just oh, assume it'll go off without a hitch. I don't think Damon is a mastermind. I think he's very unkiltered, and I I think he wanted witnesses so that it's that nobody can say Rhaenyra stabbed her husband or Damon stabbed. They can whisper about it, but nobody can outright say it. This is Damon giving him the plan. I think he's saying like, "Hey, take this if you want," because if he's not then he's going to also have that guy killed. Yeah, for sure. D- Damon's not the type to leave loose ends. He doesn't yeah. want somebody coming back later and being like, hey, actually, he paid That's me fair. to kill the other king. Mm-hmm. Uh, so Damon was like, listen, take this money and go make sure there's witnesses around. Uh, and then you can leave. You know what? I couldn't have been more wrong now that I see it your way. Yeah, so wow. I think that he is feeding him the plan because, you know, in his heart of hearts, there's a little heart of tiny little nugget of gold in Damon. <laughs> um, and I, I think that he feeds them that plan and then it's like, wink, wink, go off. Okay. Yeah, that I, makes more I love, maybe just I'm blind with my love for Damon. I love him so darn much. Uh, <laughs> I, I just don't think he'd make such a stupid play as that without having, with, I don't think he would do something dumb like that. It, I don't want I, him to. I said, I said he's not a, a mastermind, but nobody really gets one over on him. Yeah. Like he yeah. he's not um he's not the clubfoot little finger mastermind schemer, but he he's not surprised by very many things. So that's a, that's a good point if, too. Yeah, if they weren't making it off into the sunset with his blessing, that guy would have got on that ship and someone would have stabbed him immediately. <laughs> and then like this is from Damon. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And then and then he would have collected the bag of gold. The, turns out <laughs> the the boat was a dragon all along and <laughs> fires them to death. I get it. But no one knew because they weren't looking at it. Last episode, Crawford asked us to pick our second generation uh, banner holders uh, for the throne. I said, Damon times two. Uh, I am now for kid who brings knife to rock fight. Don't know his name, but I really like him. I think that kid's baller. Uh, Crawford, uh, are you sticking with Bug Girl? Yeah, I'm going with Bug Girl. And to be clear, do you want Jace, the older one who brought the knife, or Luke, the younger nice, one who used call. the knife? Oh, see, they've got the same hair color. How am I supposed to know which one used the <laughs> knife? We really... <laughs> I gotta learn these names, god dang it. I want... 
<laughs> so one of them brought the knife. The other one used right. the knife? Correct. Yeah. Mm. <laughs> I, like, I want the kid who used the knife then. There you I, go. I like the kid who brought the knife, but the kid who said... Young Luke. Yeah, what do you, why'd you bring this thing if you weren't going to use it? Heck yeah. All right, I'm Team Luke. I'm Team Luke now. And uh, I, I'm Bug still Girl carrying the banner you, for Amond. Drew is sticking with Amond. I, I love an eye patch. Amond. I love an eye patch. You know, it, it wins me over every time. It adds immediate character and backstory depth and all that stuff. I'm just like, you know what? You're a cooler <laughs> character. I think there should be more eye patches in Game of Thrones. He does have that cool line that ends the, the standoff of saying, I lost an eye, but I gained a dragon. It's a fair yeah. trade. Yeah. I was like, okay, this kid understands how to play Don't. the game. And shout out to his grandfather for being like, yeah, kid's right. Kid's a kid. <laughs> like, kid nailed it. I would have given up his eye for a dragon. So. <laughs> yeah, he said, I think he said 10,000 times. Like, yeah. yeah, yeah. Give up 10,000 grandchildren eyes for, for a dragon. <laughs> I hate Otto so much. Uh, and if you hey. hate Otto as much as we do, uh, feel free to let us know on Twitter and Instagram at NTPOD Podcast. Thank you for listening. This is not the podcast you deserve.